Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast. This is your home for shared stories of hope, perseverance, will, and inspiration. Join us today as we share another story that brings to life the underlying beat of our lives. Consider us your virtual friends. Let's get inspired. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Pontus. Today, I have the opportunity to talk to a gentleman by the name of Bear Wozniak. He is a world champion surfer. He's also the host of several shows, both on EWTN and on Armed Forces Radio. He's also the author of a book called Deep in the Wave, A Surfer's Guide to the Soul. Very, very insightful. He leads pilgrimages He has a men's conference that he also leads. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Bear Wozniak. Well, welcome, Bear. I appreciate you doing the Will Within podcast, and I'd love to hear about your journey, your spiritual journey, and the book that you wrote, and the story that you do for EWTN, The Long Ride, and also your radio show on EWTN Radio. So please start off by telling us about your journey, Bear. My journey? Aloha, by the way. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm in Waikiki Beach. I'm right on the beach in Waikiki um, in a condo that we're right exactly next to St. Augustine's Catholic oh. Church. Uh-huh. So I'm actually yeah. right over the altar here. That's and I'm cool. just out a beautiful, beautiful surf. My wife and I will go out tandem surfing together soon. And uh, it's a beautiful day here in Waikiki. So aloha to everyone. Aloha means to give breath. And that's what we need in our lives is the breath of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Bear, tell me about your spiritual journey of growing up and was the Catholic faith involved in that process? I was raised Catholic. Uh, my, my dad was Ukrainian Catholic. My mother had become a Roman Catholic convert. And so uh, those, the two rites of the Catholic Church, you know, uh, my upbringing. And I was an altar boy. I learned Latin and right when they changed it to English. They changed it to English right when I started to be a, a, an altar boy. So that was kind of interesting to have. Still, I've had that really rich experience of Latin. But, you know, I was one of those people that always loved to go to catechism and got all the holy cards from the nuns. I knew all the answers, and I was always just very interested in the faith. But as I grew older, I just, I, you know, I even tried to read the Bible and stuff. But as I grew up in high school and going to college, I was kind of like, is that all there is? You know, I, is it just religion, or can I, can I actually know God? And these things that the Bible says is supposed to happen, like signs and wonders and miracles and all these things, is that, was that, is that true or isn't that true? And so I began to ask these kind of questions. And so since I hadn't really had an encounter with the Lord, I began to pursue other options. Like um, first I, I, I went the martial arts route 
you know, I, I trained and I've always trained in martial arts. I'm a second What degree age was this, do you think? In well, college? I was about 17, 18, 19, you know, okay. in high school and beginning college. And so I, I looked into Eastern religions because that was kind of the big thing in those days, Buddhism and all that. I looked into that. That seemed empty to me. And then as a junior in college, I was very young. I think I was 19 when I was a junior. Um, I took a philosophy class and we sat in this great, beautiful kind of like boardroom surrounded by these beautiful books. There's only about a dozen of us in this class at Baylor University. And we went through, we went through the philosophers. We didn't do Thomas Aquinas. We didn't do what I, Augustine. Um, but we went through all these philosophers and I thought somewhere in here, I'm going to find the key. And it just seemed like everything fell short. And so during that time, I was very righteous in, in a sense of I didn't drink. I wasn't um, having, you know, sex and things like that. Uh, it wasn't sex, drugs, and rock and roll for me. I just was really trying to be conscientious. But I was kind of the point like if, if, if I can't have a relationship with Jesus and I just can't seem to find anything in these philosophies, why not, you know, just sex, drug and, drugs, and rock and roll? Mm -hmm. But almost within days after that, my mother told me uh, that she was going to this Catholic charismatic prayer meeting in a, in a, in someone's home and not worry the, there was a priest and some nuns there, but would I go? And I, I said, no. And she said, well, you really should consider coming. If you do, I'll buy you some new blue jeans. I know you need a pair of blue jeans. <laughs> and uh, besides there's some cute girls there. So I thought, well, I'll go. So when I went there, I saw in these people just this intimacy with the Lord and the Southern Baptist that I had known would talk about would talk about a personal relationship and others that I'd known, but I don't know how do you get across that bridge? How do you experience God? And I could see that these people in this room, when they prayed, their prayers weren't bouncing off the ceiling and they weren't just religious things. They were actually loving believing God it. and God and God was loving him back. So I was can there. Can I with ask a, you one question? Yeah. Where exactly yeah. did you grow up? So I can Well I grew up in California. I was a Santa Cruz surfer. And then when I was a junior, end of my junior year in high school, we moved to Waco, Texas. Okay. And that's how I ended up going to Baylor. Because I lost, my, I was losing my train of thought trying to, I'm not good in geography, but I was like, I don't think Baylor is in California. Yeah, that's right. So we ended up, so I, I told them I want to have whatever you have here, I want that. And they said, well, you need to really think about this because this is going to cost you everything. You don't just, it's not like saying, Lord, come into my life and then everything's, you know, sweet you have to be willing to die to everything and abandon yourself to god so they said next week if you want to be prayed with come back and they gave me they told me to read you know the second chapter of acts and and to just really pray and seek the lord that week which i really didn't know how to do but um i remember the night before i had this dream the night before we were going to go there i had this dream that the lord was walking down the hallway the balcony of my where my my apartment was at college and i was like he's coming he's coming to me and I leapt up to open the door. And then as I opened the door, I just fell flat on the ground. Is so overwhelmed by his, his glory and his love. And so there were, I felt this tug in my heart that something would happen the next day. So the next day after this beautiful time of praise and worship, they said, okay, well, those who want to be prayed with, we'll pray with you. And, um, and so I went, they went back and they said, do you, they began to ask me, did I really want to give my life to the Lord? And, and then one of them touched my shoulder to talk to me and as soon as he did that um the power and yeah, the love and energy it must have been amazing it was it was an infusion of a cascade of light it was a cascade of, 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 of love 
that is out, not from this world. And it went so deep into my heart that uh, I began to, um, I, I couldn't help it. I raised my hands and praised to God. And then as I began to praise the Lord, I began to pray in a new language. And uh, I, from that moment, all I wanted to do was to share the gospel. People who were sitting alone at the college cafeteria were in trouble because I was going to, because I figured everybody would want to know the creator of the universe, the, this cosmic, unbelievable God, if they could. But what's interesting is that night when I went home, my dad goes, so what happened? And I told him, he goes, well, let me hear your language, what, what it is. And I, so I, I prayed a little bit in it. And he said, I recognize two words. It's kind of a dialect of Ukrainian. I recognize the word love and I recognize the word God. Mm. And then that Friday, uh, he had invited the members of this prayer group, which he hadn't even been to, to come over. And I remember we prayed with my father. And when, as we prayed with him, he received this powerful infusion of the Holy Spirit. And then my language changed to uh, the love language that I use today. So that was my initial conversion uh, to the Lord. And then I immediately went into leading worship and part of the leadership group. And, and, uh, and then, of course, many, many challenges and, and, and dark nights and, and, uh, and other encounters along the way to bring me to where I am now. So what kind of jobs did you experience afterwards? Were they just your regular secular jobs or were they in the church? Did you never really lose sight of the connection to the church at that point? No, I did. I, I, I did. Involved? I, no, I actually did because I was very, very hungry for the Lord. I wanted to go deeper. I wanted, I, I wanted to seek truth. And the new catechism hadn't come out yet, and I was so under-catechized that because I was surrounded by so many strong people uh, believing, you know, Protestant Christians, I fell into um, kind of like their, their teaching, their, their, the, the sola fide, it's by faith alone, uh, um, sola scriptura, only by scriptures, there's no teaching authority, and so gradually the people that I knew were going deeper with the Lord weren't Catholic, and I wanted to read books, and the oldest books I knew of were only four or five hundred years old, I hadn't heard of the church fathers or Augustine or Aquinas, so as I started to go deeper, um, I began to drift from the church. So I really don't say that I left the church. It's like the church left me. I was hungry. Yeah. I wanted more. And there was no one there to, to, to guide me along the way. It's so strange to me now that I could possibly have been that hungry and not have been, um, not have been exposed to the richness of the church. So I, I, you know, I, 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 I led a charismatic worship with hundreds of people in, within the Catholic Church, and then eventually I drifted into the non-denominational land, which was very beautiful people, very wonderful. But I just, after about 14 or 15 years of that, you know, I was in my, gosh, I was 20 years down my journey or 30 years down my journey. I finally just thought, is that all there is, God? I mean, because I want more of you. Mm. And then my father had continued in the Catholic Church, and he had become a deacon. And he sent me two books. One was Scott Hahn's book on the on the on the on the the marriage supper of the Lamb, the supper of the Lamb, and the other one was by Stephen Ray on the early church fathers. And when I read those two books, I just came roaring back to the faith, and I was so thankful. I felt like I'd been swimming in the shallow end of the pool, and now, like as I look out from my home here, if you paddle out two miles from my home, the the ocean's two miles deep. Wow. Okay. And I felt like that's what I discovered, the depth and the breadth of Catholic teaching. I had a ferocious hunger to read the Summa 
to read Augustine, to read the early church fathers. And uh, How old were you at that time? You were like 35, 40? No, no, no. So I'm kind of doing the fast version of this. So when I was about 35, I think is when I began to drift from the church and I was gone. I was, I was, I returned to the church when I was in my late fifties. Uh, oh, okay. so probably about 12 years ago. Yeah. Because I had the I opportunity to talk to Steve Ray a couple of weeks ago and his yeah, journey was amazing to listen to and how he converted over to Catholicism after his exposure all those years to having nothing and then still feeling lost. And, and I know that Scott Hahn has brought so many people with this journey, Rome Sweet Home. So this right. has been a wonderful yeah. experience. There's so many people. I wonder how they feel. So many people they've been able to touch. And I know well, you, got, you, you know, do that now with your ministries. Yeah, you know, I got to talk with Scott Hahn just about two weeks ago. And when I, I, I met Stephen Ray only once, and he happened to be in Jerusalem. We were, I was there with Father Don Calloway. Doing, we're leading a pilgrimage, and I see, and I saw Stephen Ray there, and got to talk to him about how what a profound impact his is. Because all I wanted was the truth, and now I have all the volumes of the early church fathers. I just devour. I, people ask me what books I'm reading. It's usually books that are. Well, I like Mike Aquilina is one of my favorite people in the world. I have him on my show more than anybody else because he loves to study the early church. So most of the stuff I read is seventeen hundred years old. You know, or yeah, yeah, like yeah. right. Like so, you yeah, said, I you love, want to devour love, all the ancients, you know. Yeah, and of course Aquinas and all, all of our yeah. great, all the great, um, because I have a real thirst for truth. And I know in the Catholic Church, when I read the, I do a morning catechism every morning, no matter where I am in the world, at 7 a.m. bear time, I turn on Facebook Live uh, during the week, uh, weekdays, and I do a 15-minute catechism. I call it Ocean Sunrise Catechism because usually – the ocean is in yep. the background wherever I am. And we spend 15 minutes and we've gone through the whole catechism once and we're about a third of the way back through it a second time. So every morning we do it for about four years. We just, we go through the catechism. It's so rich. It's so deep and it makes so much sense. You know, everything just, everything just builds upon, you know, the next. Yeah, you seem so peaceful in that. I mean, especially. It's so beautiful. Right. The sunrise, especially just looking out over the water, there's a spiritual element, obviously, about the water. And you've connected to that from the beginning since you were in California. And now, what, how did you end up in Hawaii that you're doing this? Cause well, I'm a I surfer. You know, I don't know if you know if I'm a world, I'm a world champion. Yeah, I did read that, actually. That's pretty exciting. So that's actually, you know, uh, uh, you know, I had gone through a divorce when I was after 20 years of marriage. And then, uh, and then I, of course, went through the annulment. But I met my wife, Cindy, on a tandem surfboard. And so we tandem surfed together. I lift her in very extreme lifts. I lift her. I, I Actually, she jumps up and she does all this extreme stuff. And I just hold my hand over my head and surf. But we'll get to do that um, here when we're done. We're going to go out. I can see there's there was no waves Good yesterday. Waves. <laughs> well, well there's, a, there's some small waves right now. I, I've never even heard of that phrase until I was um, doing some research and I watched it and I was like, this is fascinating. This yeah. could be like something, I'm surprised it's not like a part of a sports in the Olympic or something. You well, know, they we, got uh, dancing and all that well, stuff. We, so. Well, we've tried that. I mean, a long time ago, we did it before the Olympic committee, but they kind of put a squash on it because they said you have to have a, use a wave pool, which most surfers oh, reject. No, that kind of loses the next, Olympics, next Olympics, they're going to be trying to do something, but but a tandem won't be included yet. So what is the spiritual element of the ocean that draws you? Do you feel there's a special connection? Oh, my, my, my book, Deep in the Wave, yeah. 
my first book was an Amazon bestseller, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, talks about all of the analogies of, of surfing and the contemplative journey. Um, there's just so much. Um, you know, for example, the first lesson in the contemplative journey uh, towards intimacy with God is detachment from your own agendas and from the world. And, and surfers do that. We, we turn our back on the aina, we turn our back on the land, and we paddle out into the deep. And uh, on the land, like everything is, up, everything is always changing on the land, but the ocean, the depth of the ocean, it, it doesn't change, it's not changing. So you go there and you turn your back to everything, and then you wait, you look for the wave to come. And as you see the mo movement of the wave, you paddle to it. And, uh, and that's, that, that, that's that first step of just, Lord, my, not my will, but your will be done. Mm -hmm. And then there's that element of paddling into the wave, which is uh, you have to paddle usually with all your might to catch a wave, especially a big one. Uh, my son has surfed 85-foot waves. I've only surfed waves that are 25, but, but, but um, you're paddling really hard. And that is that, that is that scripture from Paul that says, strive to enter into God's rest. You have to work at moving into prayer. Mm -hmm. And then once you drop in, the whole key is there's a moment, then you're, then you're re you really resting in the Lord. Then you're, you're just harnessing the yeah, power. That connection of the wave. together. Yep. Yep. You're yeah, working with it. You're working with it. Yep. Yeah. The wave itself. And so that's as you, as you learn to abandon yourself to God's will, then you're, uh, then you're moving in his power and not yours. And of course the ultimate thing for a surfer is to be covered up by the wave in a barrel and to be totally hidden in Christ like that is our ultimate goal. And the other thing is when people see us ride big waves from the beach, we may be a half a mile or more out riding these big waves. And you really can't even see how big that wave is until you see a surfer riding it. It gives you a sense of dimension. And a lot of times mm -hmm. you can't even see the surfer. You can just see the white trail from mm -hmm. the surfboard as it's going down the wave. But when you ride a big wave like that, people can see how powerful the wave is. It's not like they're going, oh, that guy's a great surfer. They'll say, wow, what a big wave. And when you get to the beach after you've ridden a wave, people never say, wow, you are really awesome. They'll say that was a great wave. So they give glory to the wave. And that's what we are. Yeah, glory to the it's wave. Jesus. I like that. Yeah, Jesus should, when people see us, if we're living our life as Christians, they should see Jesus. I just not love us. that whole visual you just created. That yeah, was so amazing. there's so much for that. And then if you talk about, tandem surfing uh the soul in love with jesus the woman being like the woman in song of solomon the great contemplative book uh in scriptures um you see the woman uh when, when we surf i paddle in when i drop in i get up and then a moment later she does and she rests her back against my chest and her cheek against my cheek like uh john with jesus at the last supper like the mm -hmm. like in the song of solomon and she has to rest in me and trust in me but then there comes a point where she has to turn or put herself in a position and she takes that leap of faith. She has to jump with all her might. And then I accelerate her leap and put her into a lift. And, and then she has to lock her lift in. She has to hold her, all of her core tight. And, um, and every time she jumps and goes into a lift, she has a place her eyes are supposed to look. There's a certain focus, like in Song of Solomon says, my, her eyes are like doves. You know, we have to have spiritual eyes. When I, the first contest Cindy and I ever surfed, and that's her squeaky finishes, by the way, walking by. She's <laughs> Hello. Do, she's do a workout. Hello, Miss Wave Lady. <laughs> but when we, uh, when the first contest we ever surfed in, 
um, I taught her where to look on certain lifts and I could feel that she was, things weren't working quite right. It was just great. And then things weren't working. And I told her, look up. And as soon as she looked up, putting her eyes in the right direction, the lift was put back in balance. And a really good world champ type tandem surfer can tell uh, when their partner's eyes move because it has that much effect on the balance. And that's what we need to do. We need to have eyes on Jesus. Uh, we need to hit the mark. And that's what sin is, right? Hit, sin in both the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures is, is an archery term meaning to miss the mark. So if you want to hit the mark, you have to look at the mark. You have to focus on, 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 on Jesus. And then that puts everything in balance and just walk that in. So, yeah, there's a lot. And then, of course, the intimacy and love of two people on the board being one in the same Trust. way we're supposed to. The same way we're supposed to be with Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the trust there is just me. amazing. Yeah, I have to trust in her, and she has to trust in me that we're, we know what we're both going to be doing. Right. Well, that's a great story. I, I love that visual, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Thank you for sharing that. So tell me a little bit about the radio show and also the TV show, a little bit about each. They're both EWTN connected. One is the Long Ride Home. And when did well, you yeah. start those, the, the show it's and the radio show? Really, it's really uh, about an hour every morning of prayer, right? That's where your life has to begin. And in, if you do that, you're going to feel certain nudges from the Lord and you're, know, you're going to know what you're supposed to do next. You may, not, you may not get all the specifics, right? But as you begin to move in that vision, the first was I would do a podcast. And I remember that I did a, little, I did a podcast in the, with my son, Shane, who's always one of the instigators in my life uh, because he's a really huge media guy. And uh, does he's the main editor and videographer and director when we shoot the TV show. My other son produces the radio show, but we, uh, I got this sense through this podcast, and then I had this real clear vision that there would be a, a, a fire started in Florida and a fire started in Hawaii, and it would spread to the mainland. And that's what happened. I went to a, <laughs> a Protestant radio station here in Hawaii, and I began to share with her about the need for um, um, a manly-type radio show and uh, before I could talk for even a half a minute, she interrupted me. She said, my husband said these exact words to me last night. We're going to give you a radio show. And then the next one was I was in Florida and I was on a, on a again, a non-Catholic radio station there co-hosting a, a Christian show uh, with Pete O'Shea, on a, and, who's a Catholic. And after I had done that for the second time, the, the radio manager, again, a woman came out and said, you know, Mike Huckabee is going to be running for president. Uh, so he can't have a radio show anymore. Do you want to have his drive home show on Wednesday night? Wow. So, so the podcast was recorded and then sent to them. And, and then Jamie Jerzypolski uh, from a Spirit FM in Tampa told me, you got to meet uh, Sherry Brownrigg. And so I met with her and we made our, my show a lot more professional. And then I, I drove around to 20 different, all over the country to different EWTN radio stations to see if they wanted to play mine during the weekend when, you know, EWTN isn't you know, um, when they have their options to do that. Yeah. And then I finally ended up at EWTN and I began to talk to them and go, you don't get it. It's not that you don't have to talk to us about wanting a show. We want your show. We want to put it on our, we want it to be a network radio show. And then the same thing kind of happened with my, um, but what's interesting is I remember going to the first EWTN radio show. Um, uh, they had the radio event there in October in Birmingham, Alabama and feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just know I'm supposed to be here. My son Shane was with me and, People are looking, it's like, who are these people? And what's this surfer dude? And what's this all about? And they were excited to meet me, but they were still like, not so sure. And I remember I was there and I gave a, 
we went out to Hanford to the church there and Bishop Baker was there and I, I gave him a copy of my first book just before I was going into mass, which is very awkward to promote yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I, as we left church, I was with another woman who's one of the hosts there on EWTN and Bishop Baker came up to us and said, I need another copy of your book. And she said, well, Bishop, I don't have a copy. He goes, well, no, I wanted another copy of Bear's book. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, the Bishop is, it was like, I was like coming in out from the cold almost, you know? And then I remember I gave a copy to Doug Keck and he left it on the, on his chair when he left the room. And, but then at the last dinner that, that weekend, Bishop Baker was the keynote speaker. And before he started his talk, he said, before I get started, I want you to tell you, there's someone here, if you haven't met him yet, you need to meet Bear Wozniak. So promotion comes from the Lord. You know, you can try to gin up your own uh, agenda and do your own thing. uh, Or you can abandon yourself to the Lord and and be the hidden person like Jesus was for 30 years. That's what we're studying in the catechism right now. But someday in God's timing, he he may bring you out uh, in, in a more in a more visible way, and that's what happened. Um, once Bishop Baker said that, everyone took a sigh of relief, and even more doors opened. And then, long ride home, I knew that we needed to have something gritty enough for the men to relate to. Uh, the women already loved what we did, but they were desperate for us to have something for to to speak to their men about that would speak to the men, and it needed to be manly. People every now and then will interview me and go, well, we want to talk to you about masculine and spirituality. I go, I don't talk about masculine spirituality. I talk about manliness, mm-hmm. manly virtue. Because mas- well, the whole terminology of masculinity, the, the whole gendered continuum has distorted everything. So I just say the politically incorrect thing, and I talk about manliness. And so long ride so home. Needed. Yeah, we have a pack of men that ride. Have We've done, we have shot seven seasons. Only the first two seasons are have been are airing on EWTN. Our third one, we're about halfway through editing. But we ride as a pack. We used to have a priest with us. G- season one, we rode from Jacksonville, Florida to I San Diego. I saw you at a meeting with Father Goring, right? Didn't he ride with you? With Father Mark, yeah. Father yeah. Mark is a part of... Great. Of, of, He's of wonderful. Priest. He's just so sincere and earnest in what, in what well, he professes. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, Long Run Ride Home kind of brought him to EWTN. And then EWTN has uh, really fall, fallen in love with him. But he's a, he's a wonderful man. In fact, he was with me on my first. The first thing we did for EWTN was one of my Deep Adventure Quest surfing retreats because he's a surfer too. And he was our priest for that weekend. And that's how things kind of got rolling uh, for him with EWTN. But what a powerful, wonderful man. So devoted to the Lord. But like we, so we, we rode from, we rode from San, from, Jacksonville, Florida, through the Big Bend country of Texas and into San Diego, then I rolled up to Monterey. We were doing, uh, in reverse, something I had done 10 years earlier. I bicycled from San Diego to Jacksonville, so we just flipped it and did it in reverse. And it's just really amazing how the Holy Spirit designs every day and every encounter that we have and how powerful, you know, it can be. Every morning, I, I get a sense of what the Lord, the basic theme of what the Lord wants to do. Uh, and then in the mornings, I get up really early and I just say, what, what did the Holy Spirit do yesterday? So what theme is he driving here and how do we flow with the Holy Spirit? But I'll tell you, doing those rides, most of the men on those rides will tell you it's the hardest thing they've ever done. It's super challenging because we're leaping three, four, five hundred miles on motorcycles. We're filming whenever we stop, the cameras are rolling and people will say, well, do you guys experience a spiritual attack? And I tell them no, 
we're not under any sort of spiritual attack. We are on the attack. Yeah. We're on the attack. No different than when the monks of the desert went out into the desert to fight Satan. When we rode through the desert of, 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 uh, of Texas and in the Southwest, we were on the attack and we face, we face major resistance when we ride. Uh, you can just feel the crows uh, attacking the dove. You know, mm. you can just feel the enemy. Um, uh, really tough, tough, tough things. But wow, what a, what a, uh, so we, we've really learned to stick together and we've seen each other's good and bad sides and we just tough it out. And, and how many guys are there usually? Uh, usually some less than six. More and more, I'm going to begin to ride more with just a couple people or more ride solo. Um, because it's just such a daunting thing. Because if you have five or six riders, uh, you have to have seven or so or more, eight crew members, too. And we want to be able to be like a, a, a jet ski, twist and turn quickly to respond to the Holy Spirit. Or if you have too many people, then it's like turning a major aircraft carrier. The guy, people have worked on our set, you know, videographers and sound people, etc. They'll say, they, you can never do this show in Hollywood because there's just too many people. Right. You know, there's just too much to, to make, like we got pulled over by a cop and pretty soon that cop became part of our show. You know, <laughs> uh, all the, all the, all the cameramen were like freaking out. I go get your cameras rolling, you know? And so, um, but we've had some amazing, beautiful encounters. I love the show you did with the horses, the guy with the, the horse farm. Oh yes. Tom Eagles. Talk, yes. yes. Archbishop Wenske, one of Archbishop Bishop Wenske's best, best friends. Yeah, and you're running through all different experiences in the United in the United States and the people what they're going through in their spiritual journey, and it shows people exactly what their love of Christ can be through their own journey. Right, and and uh, it shows the, it shows the brotherhood. Men are so isolated right. these days. That's why we have our our, our bears man cave. We have uh, at our website deepadventure.com. Men can go there and join, and then they become part of a a secret Facebook group. They can't join through Facebook, but we challenge each other. We encourage each other. We share with each other our weaknesses and, and our inspirations there. And then every, every three or so weeks, whenever I feel like that we do a zoom video chat together, but we establish these man, this man cave. And then a lot of them in that man cave, uh, they use my book, deep adventure, the way of heroic virtue. It's on the seven virtues mm -hmm. and they'll use that and they'll start their own man caves, you know, at, on the deck of their porch. They might, they might be having a shot of whiskey and smoking some of my, we have a, a cigar. We have, we have the seven virtue cigars uh, that have a label around the cigar. Each, each, each of the virtues is a different blend, real mm, quality cigars. And the label around it is, uh, is a quote from, from one of my, uh, my, my book on one of the virtues. And so they may have a cigar and whiskey and they'll read through my book together. And uh, men need to start gathering together as together. men again. Yep. Yeah. Let me ask you a question during this pandemic. I mean, how are you dealing with all of the, I hate to say this, but the destruction, I think like Vigano is correct. I think this is not just your love versus right, but this is a spiritual war from, you know, child of the dark versus the light. And yeah, I, you see I, it all here happening right now. So how are you able to in, in help in that respect? Because look at what they're doing to some of the statues around here. It's a great opportunity to share. I was up at the monastery. My wife and I were there last weekend. I, my spiritual roots are the Pecos Benedictine Monastery, Catholic Cares Monastery in Pecos, New Mexico. They were the ones that kind of brought the charismatic renewal to where we were in Waco, Texas. And so I've spent a lot of time there. 
and Father Michael and Sister Mary Jo were there back in those days, 1974, actually, way back then. And Abbot David sent them here to Hawaii to plant a Benedictine monastery here. So we were up there this weekend, and Sister Mary Jo said, it's because of this is happening, Jesus is using this to expose our social distancing from him. Mm. Right now, so, right, you know, I remember walking mm. the Via de la Rosa in the early morning under, under a drizzle before there was even first light. And I heard the rooster crow. And I remembered Peter denying Christ uh, in the early morning before sunrise. And I'll tell you, I hear roosters crowing all over America. I hear a roar of roosters crowing as Christian after Christian distances self from Jesus, intimidated by the bullies that say, if you don't believe in, in the woke, if you don't believe in the, the social justice warriors, if you don't believe in our so-called diversity, if you believe in absolute truth and absolute morals, then you're, uh, you're uh, a bigot. Yeah. And people have social distanced themselves from the truth of Christ's reality in their life and the truth of his moral teaching. We have social distanced ourselves. We've, we're intimidated by the bullies. They're not being witnesses. What we call so we need, yeah, we need to be witnesses to Christ. First of all, we don't need to be theologians or apologists. We need to be witnesses who say, I know Jesus. And I love Jesus. So we need to stop be, letting, being intimidated and share truth and love with people. We have social distanced ourselves from Jesus. Roosters are crowing. And we need to start being open to every opportunity to share God's love and truth. I'm sad to say this, but when you have bishops that say, oh, no, it's the lady's job to like, defend the statues, it's like, we need you, shepherd. We need people that are supposed to be the leaders of the church to stand up to profess. Well, I'll tell you what, if the laity Christ would stand up, if the laity would just, but it is the laity. The laity. It's both, I mean, but it's both. We need a leader. It's both. Both. But the Holy Spirit will purge our, our, uh, our leadership in our church you if the people will wake up. The people need to stop social distancing from Jesus. They need to stand for the truth and stand for love and, 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 stay true to the teaching of the church, the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. We don't have to point to our bishops. We need to deal with the ones that are not, that are, that are of course, uh, where we see the smoke of Satan in our midst, but it'll be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will deal with them if we just get real with Jesus. If we're having an hour of prayer every day and we're listening and we're, go and we're sharing the gospel and the good news, all of that, you know, we get the leaders we deserve, basically. That's we know that. Aristotle first said that, right? Right. So tell me, what else are you going to be doing now once this, once this uh, pandemic stuff is lifted? Are you going to go back to doing the ministry and the, and the show? Right um, away? Well, I never stop. We never, we never stop. Why would anybody stop doing ministry right now? This is, this is a great opportunity to minister. I know some people aren't able to go speak, but so many of my friends that are involved in, in speaking ministries have pushed off into developing a podcast or doing right. um, like Matthew Leonard has his next level Catholic and his beautiful videos that he's producing. So um, you never stop. You, you just know the Lord has an opportunity. Uh, Are you going to do your pilgrimages? Up to, what's that? Are you going to do your pilgrimages? You know, uh, we may, we may, we may, yeah, we may do that again. It's uh, things become overwhelming for us. We have to be very careful that we, listen to the Lord and don't always just do what we did last year. I so. love how many hats you wear. You're amazing. You've got like a half a dozen different riches going at the same time. 
No, it's actually not like that. What it is really? Not, oh, it seems that yeah. way. It feels no, that what, way. No, let me tell you what it's like. Is people will tell me you're doing so much, but it is not fractured energy. It's not like arrows pointing a hundred different direction. The point of the spear is pointing at the heart of, of men, and everything we do is is part of the the of that the shaft of that spear. Everything that we do is aligned with that one goal. So we only do one thing. But having said that, our focus is the heart of men. Our ministry is to both men and women, but we know if we hit that target, just like I talk about my wife's eyes being looking at the right place, if we can hit the heart of men, the women will, will already be there and fired up to hear what we're sharing. But we need to get gritty enough and real enough for men to hear. So no, we don't have fractured energy. Everything we do is focused, but we do, but we, so we don't, we trim, we trim every year. We say, what shouldn't we do anymore in April of every year? And what is the Lord telling us to do? And then we, and we keep focused on, on the things that, that uh, are fruitful and the things that, you know, the next, the sort of like what's next feeling that the Holy Spirit brings. Well, this has been a joy. I, I you know, I loved your adventure spirit, your adventurous spirit. So well, that's what other- we say. That's what we say. That our creed for our ministry is that the most radical thing you can do is abandon yourself to the right. wild yep. adventure of God's will. Yeah. Yep. It's beautiful. So can people get in contact with you by going to www.deepadventure.com, right? That's the easiest way to find us. Okay. Deepadventure.com. All the they connections there. <laughs> yeah. They can subscribe, subscribe to our email there. Or Bear Wasnick YouTube channel. They can go there too and subscribe there. Well, Bear, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. God bless you. God bless you too. Many thanks to Bear Wasnick. I really loved this interview. He spent so much time talking about his surfing adventures and the spiritual essence of that. I just found it so inspiring and so moving. And he talked about the book, which I loved as well. So I hope you have an opportunity to go check him out at www.deepadventure.com. There is the hub where you find all of his various activities. So many thanks again to Bear. I look forward to giving you another inspiring story soon. And if you're interested in telling us your story, please feel free to email the Will Within podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your story and I'd love to share it with our listeners. So until next week, my virtual family, be blessed. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order 
guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.